There is only one you, and that is your superpower. You can't F that up. However, you can get stuck. That's why I created this space called Unstuck Yourself with Crystal Simmons. Unstuck Yourself is about figuring out what has you feeling frustrated, isolated, or depleted of energy so that you're able to unstuck yourself on your journey through life when you don't know how to move forward. Unstuck yourself in your career that no longer excites and challenges you. Unstuck yourself with negative thoughts that seem to be doing cartwheels in your head consistently. I don't have the answers. You do. You always have. I'm providing the time, space, and grace for you to reconnect to that knowing. I'm Crystal Simmons, coach, speaker, and facilitator, and I'm grateful you made it here. Let's begin to unstuck yourself. Hey, hey, peeps, it's me, Crystal, your favorite mindset coach, working with peeps who want to move out of a place of feeling overwhelmed and stuck so they experience peace and fulfillment in their lives, whether that's in their career, health, or relationships. And some of our work together includes identifying mindset blocks in order to shift their energy into a more creative and solution-based outcome. And as your host of this weekly podcast, I'm your guide to unstuck as life keeps crystals, triple A's make you aware to what is and isn't working to uncover your ability to create clarity to take action. As I become aware of all the individuals I meet and introduce to, I realize my ability to take action and highlight these dope peeps to each of you. You see what I just did there? Crystal triple A's saving the day. Y'all got it. All right, so today is a special interview episode with a dynamic and dedicated woman, Meet Antoinette Watkins. She's the founder and CEO of The Diabetes Organization, Inc. At the age of six, Antoinette was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes on July the 24th, 2006, and has been living with type 1 diabetes for 16 years. As a result of her experiences with type 1 diabetes, she founded Diabetty to provide the support that she believed children and young adults like herself need while facing the realities of living with diabetes. Her mission is to educate, expand the representation of individuals living with diabetes, promote health and connect with others, and inspire beauty through diversity. Additionally, she's committed to providing scholarships for children with type 1 diabetes to attend diabetes camp to acquire the knowledge and the resources necessary to manage their disease. Antoinette is currently a clinical dietetics major at Florida International University, a part of the National Student Exchange Program, where she is studying at Virginia State University until 2022. With Antoinette's eclectic background, she graduated from Blake High School with a master's certification in dance and trained under Debbie Allen from the years 2014, 2017, and 2018. Also with Alvin Eiley and Alonzo King dance programs during her primary school career until she graduated in 2018. Throughout her journey with type 1 diabetes and her long-lasting love for dance, Antoinette developed an interest in food nutrition and kinesiology, which primed her to devote her college career to studying nutrition and dietetics. Without further ado, enjoy this conversation that I so enjoy with Antoinette and learn so much. You will not be disappointed. Hello. Hey, peeps. So the purpose of the Unstuck Yourself with Crystal Simmons podcast is not only to highlight 
my personal moments and experiences of being stuck, but also to create the space and community for others to share their stories, their voices, their experiences in a multitude of ways to inspire each of you who are listening to know that your stories and your voices and your experiences, they're just as important. Before we dive into the awesomeness that is the lovely Miss Antoinette, I want the peeps to know about little Antoinette and how she paved the way for the Antoinette that sits before me today. So take it away, Antoinette. Thank you. Well, first, first and foremost, I want to say thank you, Crystal, for giving me the opportunity to speak on your podcast. I think everything you're doing is is quite amazing. It's it's like I just feel so honored to be a part of something where I get to just be transparent and speak to people about who I am as an individual and, and what I'm doing alongside of who I am freely and without any judgment. So I just really appreciate you opening up that platform for not only me, but for many other individuals. So kudos to you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, no problem. Um, so little Antoinette, gosh, so where do we even start? There's so much. I feel like my life is so jam-packed full with so much going on. But um, 2006, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. You know, at that time, I think it was more my parents' concern than my concern. There, you just kind of frantic, like this, you know, we thought this disease was like only for older people. And what's type one? I've only heard of type two. Like they were just kind of flustered because and not even like scared, just like confused. Because I think a, a big issue in the diabetic community, especially for BIPOC communities, for black and Spanish communities and, and, and other um, indigenous people communities, they don't know about type one. Like we're just always told type two is because you eat bad and, and do things. And that comes from, you know, systematic racism where they sell us our foods are not good for us and stuff like that. And so the one we're the most aware of is type two. And so when my parents were told I was type one, they were like, okay, like, first of all, what is that? Second of all, <laughs> second of all, how she's six years old, like got diagnosed with that in 2006. And just so thankfully, so I got to go to a diabetes camp within the next two weeks of me being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And when I tell you, I don't know who I would be in this day if it wasn't for those camps. I, I really don't know if I would have had as much of a positive experience or even as healthy of an experience with type 1 diabetes if it wasn't for going to these camps. Um, I went to a Rotary Camp of Florida, Camp for Children with Type 1 Diabetes um, and Youth with Type 1 Diabetes. I went there at 6. It was a week-long camp, stayed the night in cabins. I learned how to take my shot there, gave myself a shot there. Um, I learned how to count my carbs before every single meal. Um, for those like who don't know what carbs are, so when you eat foods on the back of the box or even, you know, in the side corners or the flip ups on a bar, it always gives you like the macronutrients for whatever food item it is that you're eating. And so those things beforehand, you probably don't think they're that important until you decide, I guess you want to be an athlete or diet for people who are type 1 diabetic. Those numbers are so critical to our entire life. I mean, even something as small as five carbs can really adjust your blood sugar um, enough to make you have to take insulin. So I had to learn all that at six years old. I'm learning okay, I got to read how much trans fats in this. I got to read how many carbs in this. I got to read how much protein is this. And then along with that, I had to do math and figure out for every five carbs, I needed to take one unit of insulin. And so for example, like um, wow. something I was taking five units for, I would eat, I was eating 10 carbs. And so even when I ate like a small snack, like gummies, I was like, I gotta take a shot for that too. Like wow. at six years old, I was, I was really just 
inhaling all of this information. And I don't think I would have been able to do it or as easily without this camp environment that I went to where all the kids there were type one diabetic, all the staff there were either studying nurses, uh, studying nutritionists, studying um, endocrinologists, or they were actual specialists and professionals. So it was really a blessing to attend those camps. I went through like a a weird time in high school where I was rebellious with my diabetes. I just didn't want to deal with it. Like I was in this mindset. It was just like, I don't deserve this. Like I just woke up one day and was told I had type one diabetes. Like I didn't do anything to get this. Like, it's just not fair. And I think from like 13 to like 15, which I think a lot of many other diabetics can relate to, or I just went through a process where I was just like, I'm not taking care of this. I'm not looking at my blood sugar. I'll, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I eventually got really, really, really sick. Um, my hemoglobic A1C, which is my average of my blood sugars, was around 14 for about three or four years. And that's really bad for someone who is type 1 diabetic because the, the range that they would prefer for us to be in um, is between five and seven. And so I was like double that for a good three years, which is not the healthiest, but it was my choice at the time because I was just so upset. And so by the time I got to college and I got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I'm about to leave my parents. Like I'm about to go away. Thankfully so in 2016, before I graduated in 2018, in 2016, I ended up getting chosen to go on a dance summer intensive in California with Debbie Allen. And I was forced to be away from home for a whole summer. And my mom was like, okay, yeah, you're going to go. Like, you need to go. My doctor was like, "Uh, I don't think you should send her. Like, her A1C is not good, you know, whatever. My mom was just like, in my mom's head, she's like, "I, I get that you know, it's frustrating that her blood sugars are bad and and they're not doing what the doctor would recommend, but I don't want to hold her back from something else she loves because of a disease that, you know, came upon her and not something that she brought upon herself. And so I just really applaud my mom for parenting me like that because that whole summer at WLN Summer Intensive really changed my life because I got to the summer intensive and I was like, oh dang, like (laughs) my mom's not here. My dad's not here. My doctor's not here. Like, I got to take care of myself because if I pass out in California, my dad's side of the family is from California, but they were two hours away all the way in Moreno Valley and I'm in LA. And so I was like, yeah, I got to I got to get my stuff together or because I'm not trying to have the ambulance come and get me. I don't want to be embarrassed. Don't get me wrong. I love attention, but not that kind of attention. I don't need the ambulance coming to get me from this place. <laughs> um, I I got my act together. Um, I came back from the camp. I was testing my blood sugars every morning. I was around a group of kids who were asking me questions about my diabetes. And normally I would hate when someone would ask me questions about, about my diabetes. But for some reason, it was like, because I had love for dance and like my friends that I made at the camp, I was open to answering their questions. Um, and just at that summer intensive, telling people I had diabetes for the once for a once in a lifetime just didn't bother me. Like almost like the same experience that I had gotten when I went to the camps where even at camp, I was like comfortable telling people about my diabetes because everybody there has diabetes or they know everybody has diabetes. So it's like no reason to hide it. But I got to the summer intensive and ended up having to have a roommate, you know, like a small college life. And my roommate knew I had diabetes and she would ask questions. And so I just became like comfortable with it because I saw that I had support from um, the dance community at Debbie Allen Summer Intensive. And ever since then, my A1C had went down to like a nine in 2017, which was like right after nice. the um, camp. And ever since then, it's gone down. My A1C is around, around a seven now. 
when I got to college, I was still dancing. I had gotten a scholarship to go to Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, and I was there in their dance program for the first year. And I don't get me wrong. I still love dance and I love dance, but I was just dancing. And I'm just like, I'm waking up every day from eight o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. I'm getting out of rehearsal at 10 o'clock at night. I'm managing my diabetes well. I'm living on my own. But I was just like, something's just bothering me. Like, I feel like I'm not fulfilling my purpose. Like, it's just, I know I love to dance, but the, the love is just not there. Like it used to be like, where am I missing something? And this was right around the turning point of when diabetes started becoming more vocally spoken about on social media. And so I ended up seeing some girl on, it was on, um, this was before TikTok was TikTok. I think it was Triller, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm still on my own TikTok. And I saw someone do like a cute little music video and they like changed their site. And I was like, I really like want to get into something like that. And I, I, I started looking into um, just more, doing more research for diabetes but I was like if I'm gonna do diabetes I want to do it my way like how can I make diabetes popular like how can I make it known how can I make it more susceptible to all communities versus just the prominent Caucasian community that they market when they show type 1 diabetes and from that point I ended up meeting other people on social media that were black that had type 1 diabetes and mind you I had grown up since going to the camps um, I went to the camps and the whole time I was at the camps, I was probably the only black child that was there. If I wasn't the only black child, I was the only black girl. It was like another black boy in the camps. And so as I got older, I started seeing more black people. And I was like, maybe it's because we don't know that each other exists. And so I was like, yes. okay, so I know how black people are. Like, I, we love trendy <laughs> stuff. We love, we love a good trend. Like we make a lot of the trends. So I'm like, okay, let me figure out a way to make diabetes trendy. And so this is the time, I think around 2018 was like the time when the word baddie was just popping. Like, it was like, guys was like, I want a baddie. Girls was like, I'm a baddie. I want to be a baddie. And like, even me, I was like, yeah, I'm a baddie. Like, you know, I look cute. I look good. And so I was with my friends um, this one weekend. I was like, we were getting ready to go somewhere. And I had put my sight on my arm on the outside for the first time. And I just, we, we had dinner, didn't have any conversations about diabetes or whatever. It just came in my head. I was like, what if I call myself like a diabetic? Like, I don't want to be a regular baddie. Like, I just want to be like a diabetic. And I was like, how did, how did I come up with this word? Like, it was just like diabetic, diabetic. Like, and I just like said it to one of my friends. I was like, do you think diabetic sounds good? And they're like, like a diabetic baddie? Is that like is that what it means? And I was like, yeah, like diabetic. Like I'm a diabetic baddie. Like that's what I mean. Yeah. They were like, yeah, that's cool. Like I would, I would, they was like, I would call you like that. That was like, that's fire. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think I'm gonna go with that. You have given me and everybody listening so much goodness, Antoinette. Like, <laughs> all right. So I know people are listening. Like, wait. The beginning you started, you were six years old when you were diagnosed. You were fortunate enough to go to this camp that taught you so much, not even the technical side, but you sticking yourself, you checking your numbers, you reading the cards. How many people who are listening right now are like, I don't even do that now. And what she's saying feels like overload. I respect you so much because 
oh, kids are so resilient and like, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay, got it. And you were able to come back and share the information with your family, but also that's up leveling you to say, look what I just did. I took all this new information. I was able to actually share and reiterate whatever it was that I obtained and absorbed and share with the people who love me, who want to take care of me. And you speaking up and saying, this is what I learned. This is how I do it. This is what makes me healthier and better. And then them listening. And I know it wasn't just easy if you just having one conversation, your parents like, yep, got it. It was constant. So kudos to you. I'm really excited <laughs> about that. But then there's so much goodness in the middle of that. And we'll dig into, but towards the end, when you mentioned that you went to this camp for the first time and yes, you didn't want to be diagnosed with this. Your family's like, what the F, but you're amongst your people. And right. not by just a label like, I'm a diabetic, but that you were a Black young girl. So even though they didn't look like you, they're still your people. It was right. that one thing that connected you. And that built your confidence, your ability to move into places and overcome that stigma of having it, but then go to another place. Even though we all get to a point where we're just tired and I, I could see why someone who is so well-educated and has taken on the weight of the world as a six-year-old, just like, I don't want to hold that anymore. So you had your moment where your health maybe declined a little bit. Yeah, that's completely normal. But you recognize being the smart and intelligent woman you were, hey, I'm going to be by myself. Like... I don't know if I should keep doing this and right. recognizing what could be at stake. But then to tell a new roommate, not really among your community, you don't have that safety net of we have something in common. That one thing it was, well, we do have something in common. We're going to share this space right. and you opening up. So Antoinette, thank you for doing that because now we get to talk about what you have created in Wearing that shit as a badge. This is a part of me, but it's not me. It's not who I am. And I'm really right. smart with this. And I'm about to educate you because <laughs> that is where the power is. When we don't speak up and say what it is that we need, we're taking all of that power and giving it to someone else. Kudos to you for recognizing that, sharing that, being vulnerable and authentic and honest uh, to then build a new community of people that F with you. That's dope. <laughs> that is dope. Yeah, so that, and I start, I start, I'm so sorry. I did not like tell the transition because no, I definitely- No, 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 you're good. Should have no. slowed down. That's why I was like, it's like so much. And so once I get started with the story, I just like get onto a ramble because it is such an extensive story. Ramble, um, ramble on, ramble on. <laughs> but uh. yeah, so I, you know, had went to the camps growing up. I was the only black kid there the, most of the time. Um, even the counselors, I, I didn't see very many black counselors there, but it didn't really bother me that much until, you know, I got older. And like I said, I had one day like this revelation with my life where I'm like, like I'm a diabetic, like this, I've, I've really got to like, start claiming this. And at first, I was just claiming it as my own thing. Like I had changed my bio, my bio was like just a baddie with a broken pancreas because diabetics have broken pancreases. And that's still in my bio to this day, because I just feel like that's like my star sentence. Like, it's yes. like my superstar sentence. Um, and so like, I wanted to like explain like what a diabetic was. And so I would just like use like little diabetic hashtags and in my, in my Instagram posts, like this was before Instagram really became like a huge marketing tool and resume, um, networking to like it is now. Yeah. And so I was just doing like cute little hashtags, like hashtag 
Throwback Thursday, hashtag Diabetes, you know, simple stuff. Um, and then I ended up volunteering at one of the camp in 2019. And I was talking to some of the little girls there. I was, I was a counselor for um, the hair cabin. That was my first cabin. That's what they were called, the hair cabin. Because um, all the cabins were different, named different names. It was like Jaguar cabin, hair cabin, Ibis all these different cabin names. And so I was in the hair cabin, which is usually the youngest girls. I was just like in there having conversations with them and talking with them. And they're just telling me how they like asking them what they want to be when they grow up. And this one girl was like, yeah, I want to be a YouTuber because I don't really, I, I don't really see any diabetic YouTubers. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but it's really something I want to do. And I was like, well, why wouldn't you be able to be a YouTuber just because you're diabetic? And she's like, well, I don't know if people are going to like know what I'm talking about. Like, because like, what if my my sensor goes off or like, I have to wear my pump on YouTube. Like, I don't know if that's going to be okay. And I was like, it's absolutely okay. Like, what do you mean? You don't know if that's going to be okay. And so then I kind of grouped everyone together in my cabin and some other girls in the other cabin when we were at one of these girls seminars. So some of the girls were at the camp, they were talking about how they don't like when people ask questions or people ask weird questions or people stare and they'd rather them ask a question instead of staring at their pump sites or their dog's pump sites. And so I really just pulled everyone together and I was like, you know, it like really breaks my heart to know that with, with the beauty of how the media has grown so much from when I was y'all's age to you all being who you are now, that we, you would just not include yourself in the amazing turnover of how social media is building. I, I really want you all to know that you have a spot in every place that you want to have a spot at and you being diabetic makes you even more qualified. I mean, it's like, you're able to do all these things. You count your carbs, you test your blood sugar, you give yourself insulin every day, and then you do what everybody else is doing. Come so on. it's like for you to do it, you're overqualified. I mean, you're putting yeah. together a schedule for your daily life to keep yourself breathing and living. And then you got to do what everybody else does, to keep up with a career or, you know, be a movie star, a singer, uh, or a lawyer, Some somebody sim like, you know, not simple, but somebody that just has a career like even if it's not social media, it still requires extensive work on both parts. And so I was just telling the girls, and I was like, never disassociate yourself from a space that you want to be in because you're disabled or because you have a disability that affects your ability at the same level as everyone else, because it doesn't like it to be disabled. And I think a lot of people say like the word disabled is bad, but it's really not. I think we've been trained to think that the word disabled is bad because then people keep associating it with a disadvantage, but I have a disability. Like I have something that makes me not as able as you. So for me, it's like, if I'm disabled and I'm doing something as good as you, or if not better, I'm a threat. Come yeah. on. Yes. <laughs> Because I'm doing really good and I have a disability, something that doesn't make me as able as you are. So I, I own the word disability to a high extent because I am disabled. I have a disability. And that's how diabetes came about. And that's how we ended up going in with giving scholarships to these camps so that these young girls and young boys can go to these camps, meet other people with the same disease as them, talk to them, learn how to self-manage their disease and make friends so that the diabetic community can expand so much. I mean, because my mom was just telling me the other day, like social media is just so great for you all because you can meet someone and speak to them every single day versus back when, you know, she was in yeah. high school that you couldn't do that. Like you see them, you gotta wait till you see them next summer. Yes. You know, now you can see somebody during the summer and, and talk to them during the school year. So the diabetic community can be so large, include every race and everyone who's actually dealing with the disease. If we make sure everybody who is dealing with the disease and everyone who is growing up with the disease has the opportunity to attend these camps. So 
that's why Diabati just focuses so much on getting the kids to the camps so that they have that advantage and they have that guidance when growing up with their disease. Man, like, ah, you are so encouraging and so <laughs> eager to, again, pave the way for other people and let them know as well. We, we doing this. If you have an idea, put yourself in that creation. So thank you, Antoinette, for sharing that because you mentioned that because we're in this world of social media and I know even for myself, I have moments of feeling alone and feeling like, oh, it's only me that's going through that. When we have such a small step in between that could just break down those walls or those thoughts. Like your mom said, like we have an advantage, but sometimes our brain or our thoughts will keep us stuck from utilizing those advantages. Hopefully with this story, people understand the power that lies within all of us. So Antoinette, with you being the CEO and the founder of the Diabetes Organization, what was your main focus for creating this beautiful space and company? My main focus for creating Diabetes originally was to send the kids to camp to make sure that they got that training and the guidance with managing their disease and then also just like getting the, the full fun experience of making friends at the camp. Like I think that's the best part, like making all these friends and s'mores and stuff with, with other kids who have the same disease as you. Um, and so that was my original motive with Diabetes, which was to just raise money for scholarships, create a scholarship and send as many kids to camp as possible. But even with me volunteering um, as late as 2019, I realized as an alumni camper and now in a counselor's position that there's so much more to these camps that I know as just a camper that's attending. Like the counselors that were there, now that I'm, you know, 19 years old and I'm in college, I'm like, oh, these are students here that are volunteering or getting their clinical hours because most students that are in um, college, if you want to be a nutritionist, you want to be um, a doctor of any sort, any pre-medical field, you have to get clinical research hours um, in order to graduate and or in order to apply for medical school because it just looks great on your resume. It's great to have that, that hands-on experience. Yeah. And so there are people that come to the camp and these students are working with these kids day and night, you know, for 72 hours on the weekend camp, wow. um, however long a week is an hours, you know, 24 hours times seven in a, in a week camp. They're with these kids getting large bulks of clinical hours at the camps, but not only are they like knocking out their clinical hours in one week, but they're there meeting with doctors every morning with the camps. Mm -hmm. I was waking up, I was doing charting with the doctors, changing the kids' insulins based off of what they're eating for the day, based off how many activities we're having, based off of the type of insulin the child was on. I mean, it was like, I was like a nurse. Like I'm not even, a, I wasn't even a qualified nurse, but I was still there learning next to another professional healthcare worker or doctor or psychologist who would go over things with me to make sure that the child who was attending this camp was taken care of to the best of their ability. And so I was like, this is so amazing that students are coming to these camps and getting these advantages of working at these camps before they go into the medical field. I mean, what better experience than hands-on experience. You can only get yes. so much out of a book. Yes. And if you're like me, my I have to read the same page about three, four times before I understand what it actually says. So for me to go to a camp and get to count carbs with a child and learn the stuff that comes from the textbook about macronutrients and insulin and lipids and protein, and just all these different things that you need in order to advance your understanding of biology and microbiology and 
nutrition like is there's no other better experience than to be working at these camps with these children and not only do you get to work at the camps with the children and benefit yourself but you're benefiting the kids yeah because you're their future doctors you're their future nutritionist you're their future psychologist like I, I was like there's no way that a lot of other universities didn't, didn't see this because now I'm realizing from a camper's point of view to a counselor's point of view I'm like okay so I was the only black kid there as a camper now I'm the only black counselor here so it's like not only are we missing kids from the black community yeah. we're missing students from black universities at these camps getting clinical hours i'm like there's a huge gap here and you know what since these students become doctors in the future which the doctors are responsible for telling the patients about the camps i'm like that's why they don't know because these black doctors don't know this this opportunity exists so who who can guide them to the camps who can guide the black and spanish children who go to a black doctor that doesn't know about these camps they can't expect to see them at the camps because the doctors don't know the psychologists don't know the nutritionists they don't know yes so i'm like if i can figure out a way with diabetes now to tackle not only scholarships to fix the financial issue of you know bipoc children attending the camps but if i can figure out you know the research aspect and tackle that sense of making sure that the BIPOC and students at historically Spanish institutes and students at historically Black universities are aware that these clinical hour opportunities are available, then I can, I can kill this problem from both ends. Yes. I need it from both sides. Like, you know, so I was like, okay, so I'm going to decide as a student, and I'm now a student at FIU, I got blessed with the opportunity to do an exchange. And, you know, they let us choose from a plethora of universities. And I was like, okay, so if I want to kill this this issue from both sides, I got to go to an HBCU. I got to do my exchange at an HBCU because I have to have an experience as a student who's studying nutrition because I'm studying nutrition. I got to get an experience as a student in the pre-med field and in the nutrition field for dietetics and stuff like that. I got to get that experience as a historically black university student before I can try to tackle it from both sides because I got to see where they're not getting the information at. Yeah. I got to figure out why they don't know. And so I got the opportunity to do my exchange at Virginia State University um, hey. and was, you know, just blessed to be with them this past semester where I met and started ended up working very closely with the dean of the university for um, nutrition and dietetics, which is Dr. Lynch and Dr. Perry Rogers and the business major of the university. And, you know, I just was telling them my idea and they were like, yeah, this is great. We didn't know about this, but we need it. And I was like, okay, so I'm on it. Like the whole time I'm here, that's my mission while I'm at Virginia State is to make sure before I leave in August, 2022, that if not as many Black universities in the DMV as possible, that at least Virginia State students are aware of this opportunity. I, I've been just doing my best connecting with students at Virginia State, still connecting with students at Virginia Commonwealth because that's a very well-diverse college community. I know a lot of the Black students in the community over there. And I actually ended up recently working with a student who goes to Howard. She's actually type 1 diabetic herself. She's a business major and she's type 1 diabetic. I met her at a college party. That's crazy. Nice. Like, I went masked up. I was at a big college cookout because um, the, the Qs were having a cookout over the summer. And I met her there. Somebody was tapping me at a party. And, you know, I'm from Florida. So I'm like in the DMV. I'm like, I'm at this cookout. And I only came with these people that I know here. because I don't know anybody else here. So when she came and tapped me, I was like, what the heck? Like, so, this, somebody's tapping me like I'm scared. 
And my friend was like, turn around, somebody's trying to speak to you. And I was like, okay. So I turn, I look at this girl and I'm like, okay, I don't know what she's about to say to me because I don't know her. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I just want to say, I really love that you wear your sight visible to other people and it doesn't bother you. And I'm like, my sight. And then I was like, oh, I'm diabetic. Like, she's probably talking about my Dexcom <laughs> sight. Like, so I look at her and I'm like, are you type of diabetic? And she's like, yeah, I actually hide my sight um, on my thigh because I don't want anyone to know I'm diabetic yet because I haven't really seen any other black diabetics around me. So like when I saw you here in the middle of this cookout, I was like, I just gotta like, I just gotta, gotta mm. talk to her. I gotta, I gotta touch her. I gotta see how she is. And I was like, girl, yeah. And I was like, it's so funny that you like wanted, just wanted to talk to me just because I'm another black diabetic because I have a whole organization for this. Like, so she was like, no way and I gave her my Instagram and we just started um laughing and talking on Instagram from there and so it's like now I have a friend at Howard who has type 1 diabetes mm. and I've been connecting and working with her and ended up just going to, to lunch with her like a, about a month or two ago uh before break and you know we just sat down and talked and she was like yeah and I, I also been following this um Instagram influencer who's type 1 diabetic and her name is um Kiva she's um actually called Diamond on mm. um Instagram she's so great like she's so cute she's a model she's really breaking barriers with the modeling for type 1 diabetes and so she was like yeah I follow Kiva and I just love everything she does and I was like you know what I got Kiva's number you want to talk to her and I I let Kiva talk to her because what a lot of people don't understand is that there's been a lot of type 1 diabetics that have been getting diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in college now and so their experience with diabetes is completely different than mine because they have understanding of what life was before they were even diabetic. And so there was just some conversations I knew I couldn't have with my friend that this new friend I made with type 1 diabetes because I, I was diagnosed at six. All I know was diabetes, you know? I went to the camps. I got to learn from the camps. Like, she's coming in, diagnosed at 20 years old, and she's like, you know, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> like, I got to teach myself for real. Like, I'm not just going to go with the routine and build this into my life. I have to shove this into my life now. It, it's do or die. And so I was like, yeah, you need to talk to Kiva because Kiva was diagnosed in college as well. She just was talking to Kiva on the phone and she just broke down crying, like on the mm-hmm. phone with Kiva. And I was like, you know what? I just thank God for putting me in the position to be a connector and to want to just be yes. so passionate about connecting people because there's nothing else that probably would have made her feel any better than being able to talk to Kiva because I could tell, because I, I couldn't hear the conversation her and Kiva were having because I let them have their privacy, but I could just tell Kiva was saying some stuff to her that she just like needed to hear as another diabetic who's yeah. black at a college university who's just starting a brand new life with this disease. It, it was just some stuff I couldn't relate to because that was not my experience. Yeah. And so that's why I was like, if I can do this on my own and I'm just me, why don't I just open the door for other people to be able to do this by connecting the black universities and being the liaison between the black universities and the diabetes camps to make sure that these black pre-medical students are getting in these camps and working with these kids. And when they do that, we can now ensure that these black kids are going to the camps. If the pre-med students aren't doctors yet, they either know a black doctor or they yeah. know somebody else, know somebody who has type 1 diabetes, which advances the chances of the black kids going to the camps. Mm. I mean, because you can get on social media and say, hey, the camps are going on. We want more, you know, more black children or more Spanish children to attend the camps. Please come. But, you know, it's different than somebody personally saying There's something no- to someone and pulling them in and telling them, hey, this is good for you. Go. You're explaining um, connection, true connection of right. it's not transactional. 
shout out to you for being the leader that you are, Antoinette, because what you said is so important. I hope people caught it that, yes, you have a very extensive understanding of growing, living, having diabetes, but you recognize like, oh, that's not my strength for this young lady. Let me connect her to someone who has a little bit more knowledge of what she's actually feeling and going through. That is a leader. That is a business owner. That is an intuitive person that recognizes that I'm very powerful, but I also know my power lies in having branches and networks of other people so then they can be uplifted. So then they can actually encourage other people to do the same. Like that young lady you met and connected her with Kiva, Kiva's like, and I don't want to speak for her, but I was, I would hope, or I, I feel like she would say, wow, Antoinette met her and thought of me to be the one to share my experience with this young lady. Oh, that's, that's really dope and so powerful. And I hope you really understand how dope you are, Antoinette, for doing that. And being the, uh, I know it sounds cheesy, but you are like the superhero of diabetes and recognizing that I'm not going to cry and recognizing that your disability, you're not taking that word to shame you, to isolate you, to lessen who you are. You took that shit and highlighted it and elevated and expanded it. I know people like to look at the highlight reel, as they say, for Instagram. Everybody's life is amazing. Can you tell us if you feel any moments of stuckness? And if you do, how do you move from that? I have two two huge moments of stuckness. And I actually, after this last period of stuckness, I really want to say, I think the period of stuckness is the best part to be in. Like, mm, come on I now. feel like that's when you realize because once once you get out of being stuck it's like dang I really I really got myself out of that like, like I got myself world. out of that yeah <laughs> you got a whole new individual with a whole new understanding of whatever it is you went through so there was a period in my life around it was it 20 2017-ish I had just went through a period of time where I lost a lot of my friends and lost just like a lot of people that were close to me and I didn't really see it before, but I, it was like, kind of like God was like removing people from my life so that I could go to the next period of my life that I needed to be in. And so during this time I was just beating myself up because I was just like, maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm just not, not a good friend. Maybe I don't belong here. And so I was just like in this very dark place where not only was I not accepting who I am as a diabetic, but I just wasn't accepting myself. I wasn't accepting me. Like, I was like, maybe I need to tone my personality down too much. Maybe I need to change how I talk to people. Maybe I need to change how I look, change all this stuff about me. And it went on for like a good four or five months where I just wasn't myself. And I just had like, was just going through like this tear down period where I was just like, I don't want to be seen. I don't, I don't really want to talk to anybody like that. I mean, I spent most of my time with my family during that time. I wasn't really hanging out with friends. So during that time, uh, it was like I had gotten to a point. It was like that, probably to like the fourth month of me just being in like this depressive stage. And I just, I don't know what it was. I went to church with my parents one day um, and he, the pastor was just talking about how you like really need to understand the power in your words and what you say. 
um, and the power of the tongue. And I was just like, maybe it's because I keep doubting myself and I keep speaking these things over my life. And maybe that's why I'm not getting out of this weird feeling that I have and I'm not understanding my worth because I keep saying, oh, I don't deserve this. I'm not worth it. Or maybe I do need to change this. Maybe this is weird. Maybe this is not okay. Instead of saying, this is who I am. If there's an issue, maybe I can work on fixing it or I can choose to develop my character in a way that if this part of me is not the best version, I can develop it into a better version. Um, and so I just started just every day I would just wake up and I'd be like, okay, today I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to do it. Yes. And I started and then it just, it just became like a, a ripple effect. Like I was like, okay, well, I achieved that yesterday. Like, wow, like I really actually did it. And then I was like, okay, well tomorrow I'm going to try this. Like today I'm just going to say I'm beautiful, mm -hmm. like in the mirror. And, and then I really just felt more confident that day. Like it was just like speaking it over my life constantly and more and more and more. I mean, especially with the beautiful one. Like if you ask my friends, I think I really woke up and started telling myself I was pretty and beautiful every day until now it's the point where I'm just like, they're like, are you really taking another selfie again? Like <laughs> you're going to take another selfie. I'm like, well, I just, I just, well, I just feel like it looks so great. And, 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 and I, I really enjoy that part of me now because I am literally like utterly just love how I look. And I never, I did not feel like this before. And so it was just like, so amazing to get to that point of going through body dysmorphia um, during that time. Cause that's really what I was struggling with as a diabetic. I was struggling with body dysmorphia from a sense that I didn't want people to see my scars from my sites. And I didn't want them to see my Dexacom site. But then I was also going through body dysmorphia because with social media also being on the rise, we just saw a lot of different body types and it was a more marketed body type than other types. And I didn't really have that body type. Um, and so I had just went through, she was still trying to get myself out of that dark spot of not working out for the simple mm. fact that I want my body to look the same way, but to work out because I enjoy it. Um, and so like that came with me saying, okay, I'm going to work out today because I feel like I want to work out. Like I want to feel good after a workout. Like not because, oh, I need to make sure my arms are slimmer or my stomach mm. is smaller or my thighs and legs are bigger. Like I'm going to go to the gym today because I want to go. And then it also took me to have the strength to be like, mm, I don't feel like going to the gym today. And yes. I'm not going because I don't have to go. Like I don't need to go just to salvage how I look, mm. you know. And so it, I just thank the Lord. Like, yes. hallelujah. Thank you. Just hallelujah. It's <laughs> that like I got out of that space. <laughs> you... First of all, thank you for highlighting that being stuck, there is a gift in that. Because on the other side, should you decide, okay, I don't want to be here anymore. What, like you had that image and that thought at church. Maybe it's because I am speaking what I don't want over and over and over and over and over again. What if I change yeah. it? The funny thing is, Antoinette, because we've been in quarantine and because I've been working from home for so long, I just said this on a recent podcast where I started telling myself for 2022, I want to be more organized and I want to be very intentional about each moment I have. Not that, oh, it's a new year. Now I have new things that I want to accomplish. Every moment is new. Every breath we take is new. It is a chance to make a different outcome or create a different outcome. So yesterday I told myself, I'm going to wake up at this time and I'm going to work out. I'm going to journal, I'm going to meditate. And I should be able to do all of that within this hour and then be able to chill, prepare for this interview and then get on and be refreshed. I tell you not, Antoinette, 
literally I'm looking at my clock. I'm like, oh snap. I'm like two minutes early for when I'm supposed to shower, when I said I would. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like right on time for when I said I wanted to prepare. And I literally had the thought in my head that you just said like, what if I just spoke it and said, this is what I'm doing. And I was like, right. this is crazy. Like it was, it sounds so small, but on the other side, I'm like, it doesn't matter what happened before. I see what can be possible and I'm gonna keep moving in that direction. So thanks for sharing that stuck moment. You say you had another moment as well. Did you want to share yeah, well, okay. that moment that it, it's just a ripple effect? Cause I, that moment started in 2017 where I was going through the body dysmorphia and, and, and dealing with the losing of friends. And then I thought it was okay. You know, cause you, sometimes we get in moods where we're like, okay, like I feel a little better now. I'm good. Like I've healed. Um, but I think that what part. I really just have realized is healing is not linear and it's not just a one and done thing. Like it's just, it takes time. You got to yes. get triggered again and see your new response. And so mm. over the pandemic, I, I had went through the same thing again. Um, yes. And this time I was realizing that my insecurities and my things that I was dealing with were affecting my relationships with people. I mean, just something as simple as, as I was coming back and realizing I was taking pictures and I would never, I just wouldn't like any of my pictures. And my best friend was telling me, she was like, you just love to take pictures all the time. So why is it that when we take your pictures, you're like, oh, I look too big or, oh, I look, I don't want my site showing in this. Like I wanted to show, but I wanted to show in a certain way because if it shows this way, it's going to look weird. Like she was like, how can you say you love, love, love yourself one day? And then, you know, this is when you're facilitating, but when other, somebody else is trying to facilitate their love for you and take pictures of you and, and do stuff for you, it's, it's not good enough. Like that doesn't, that means you don't love yourself fully. And I just looked at her and I got mad at her at first because I'm like, she don't know what she's talking about. Like, I love me, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I love me. And I just really had to sit down and just think about it. And I had went through another period where I was telling you I was working out just to just work out and make sure my body's right. I was like, I was like, okay, well, I had already went through a process where I was going to work out because I loved it. And then I rippled back into the effect of working out again just to make sure my body looked the right way and and I was up at like I, I mean to, to a normal person it would look like I was just the most extreme organized individual ever I was up at 6 a.m at the gym at nine o'clock I was at work I get off of work at three I was doing yoga and then I was at my at my next job and so like I just looked so organized but I wasn't happy like I was mm. I was draining myself September of like 20 no September 2020 all the way till January of 2021. And then I actually ended up getting like injured and I was like, I'm gonna keep going. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm gonna just keep working out. Cause I gotta work out. Like, you know, I gotta make sure everything looks a certain way. Like I gotta make sure I go to work. I, I can't take any breaks. Like I gotta be this most successful woman. I have this whole organization now. Like these people have this image of me. I gotta keep up with it. And I was watching Blue Church, which is a church in, in uh, Miami, and Pastor Richard was saying in one of the messages, he was like, if you don't stop, God's going to stop you Come on. himself. Absolutely. If you don't take a break or take, a, or, or take some time to just relax and sit down and breathe and just express gratitude for yourself and for your life that God's blessed you with, God's going to force you to do it. Absolutely. So, and I was like, man, like, that's not going to be me, like. <laughs> whatever like I'm not even doing that much or whatever and long and behold April of 2021 I blew both my knees out wow so like both of my knees I couldn't walk for like a couple days I didn't tear in an ACL or anything crazy but 
my knees were just extremely swollen. And as a type 1 diabetic, is swelling of any source is just is really serious because it can lead to, to more severe complications. And so I was like, still trying to go to work with sore, swollen legs oh. on crutches and stuff, just doing the most. Like, I don't know why I was doing all that. And I just talked with my god sisters um, who also live in D.C., and they were just like, maybe you just need to sit down for a second. Like, <laughs> you just need to sit down. So how about you just try that? Like, just sit down. Like, you think you're always rushing your life and thinking that you're behind or that you have to fit this certain image. And in the process of you keeping up with all these great things, you forget about taking care of yourself. And I was like, that whole summer, I didn't work out. I didn't work out not one time. I just started working out again last month, y'all. Yes. <laughs> not for y'all. I really just started working out again last month. And even now I go when I want to go, but I stopped working out. And during that whole time of me not working out, I was looking at my body and I'm like, man, I'm, my body really actually looks good. Come on. Like, I was like this, like, I'm not even working out and this, I look great. Mm. And I was getting compliments, like. I'm like, you sure? Because I I worked out in like two months. Are you sure I look good? Wow. And it just, it just, I needed that long period of time of having something taken away from me mm. for me to truly understand its value one. Because I do like to work out. I like, aside from it making my body look better and healthier, I also like how it makes me feel, releases good yeah. endorphins. But yes. I had to get it taken away to see maybe like, it was crutching me and holding me back from loving another part of myself and, and enjoying good endorphins and just looking at myself in the mirror and Ooh. saying, this is the body God blessed me with. I can walk with my legs. I can use my arms. I have a belly. I can put food in a, a beautiful face, hair on my head. Like maybe I should just take more advantage of that. And so that I think, I, like I said, healing ain't linear now, but I think I'm praying to God that was my final, final <laughs> one because I, I really, I really don't want to be down bad like that again. I mean, I, but I'm, I'm not against God humbling me because we all have room to be humbled yes. in many places. You, you, you actually touched on something very powerful. The two people, shout out to them and probably even more people around you treating you with love and checking you pretty much. Shout out to the best friend and shout out to your sister. Like that is dope. <laughs> And life is not about black and white, all or none. And I want to remind everyone the gray zone is the best zone to be in. And you re recognizing that I need to go to work out. I need to do this. And so many of us, it might not be working out, but it's like, I have to do everything for my family. My, my spouse really doesn't know how to do it the way it should be done. My kids can't do it the way that mm, I want it to be done. My friends can't help me the way I need to be helped. My family, my, my boss, my coworkers, oh, they can't do what I do. I do it the best. And Yes, we all get humbled, whether that's an illness, whether you get a release from your job, divorce, separation, that will sit your A down and mm -hmm. give you that moment of, wow, okay, so that happened and I cannot control it. We right, think, right. we think if I just do it, I can control it. You can't control nothing but yourself. And if you're not aware of who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it, how long you've been doing it, if it excites you, like you mentioned, you were a dancer and you love dancing, but that passion kind of went away as we are human, we get to change, we get to evolve. And then something else piques our interest. So to those who are listening, you may not have a story like Antoinette's, but I bet you have experiences of being very humbled. And I want you to sit with those moments 
and realize what you learn from it. Like you said, coming out of it, being stuck, but then on the other end, realizing however you were able to process that. So I want people to be able to recognize that they don't have to be alone. But even if you don't have diabetes, if you know someone who knows someone who knows someone, share this episode with them. Antoinette, I want you to share, how do you want people to reach out to you? How do you want people to connect with you so you could do what you do best? There's a few ways that people can connect with us. The most simple ways are our Instagram and our website, which is www.diabaty.org, like literally Diabaty organization, but it's www.diabaty.org. Um, and our Instagram is diabatyorg, so D-I-A-B-A-D-D-I-E-O-R-G. And so is our Facebook and so is our Twitter. So it's a pretty easy flow line where you can find us on all of those social media contacts. And then if for anyone that's listening, there is a big event going on Martin Luther King weekend. It's called Faces. It's a huge pop-up shop that's just growing. It's being developed by someone I know who I was connected through, my god sister who goes to Howard University, who is actually a grad student there. Kudos to her. Woo-woo, we love Adrena. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she connected me with awesome pop-up shop called Faces. It's going to be on the 15th from 2 to 6 p.m. She's going to have plenty of other vendors there. I will give crystal all the connects and detailed information so that she can get that information to you all hopefully we can maybe see crystal there because i'm actually in the process of finishing some stuff with her so that i can send crystal over some stuff yeah that pop-up shop is going to be really great it's going to be her first one and her her whole purpose and understanding with that is that she wants other people who want to be entrepreneurs who want to find their purpose who want to find their passion to speak with other entrepreneurs and understand how to become the face of what they're passionate for and what they stand for and I just think that's so awesome and love that that's why she wanted to build this whole thing and hopefully it can expand to go to different areas uh, like California or Miami because she's from California and I got to go back to Miami so I definitely would love to see the pop-up shop in more than just the DMV but that will be this upcoming weekend or on the January 15th Martin Luther King weekend that pop-up shop is available and I will be there speaking and telling everybody about diabetes and how they can get to these camps and how they can um, benefit a child with an experience at this camp. And if they're not benefiting a child with an experience at this camp, they can benefit a student by letting a student know that the uh, camps are available for them to get clinical research hours there. So this is so I'm hoping, good. And I'm, I'm really working on hard so that we can actually get that information out before the event on January the 15th. So thank you for sharing that. And I do want to come up and I'll get more information from you, but this is so good. And we're going to speak light into the fact that yes, this may be the first one, the first pop-up, but there will be many more because you're doing what you do best. And you're sharing that story. You're sharing that opportunity to people who may not have even heard of it. So thank you for doing that. That's a great note for us to end on. I do feel like we could keep talking, but I'm so excited to have the listeners be able to experience all that you have to offer and just your energy, your knowledge, your patience, and also your accepting of others. You're very welcoming and warm. And thank you for, for being that so that people can reach out to you and they can connect with you. Antoinette, do you want to leave us with anything before we sign off? No, I definitely just want to say thank you for letting me share my story. I know I could share so many stories. I just feel yes. like we have 365 days in a year and then so many years to go with 
the life that we're blessed with. So definitely have money stories, but I'm so glad that you got, you know, allowed me to have the space to just share a little bit of mine and connect with you in in many ways of how my life experiences are and and use them as teaching tools to help other people in their lives. Like, like I said, like the whole embodiment of your podcast is, is truthfully amazing. And to give these people these resources just from relatable stories is is genius so thank you for allowing me to be in this space with you you're so given and so sweet and I and I received that message I really do and thank you so so much and thank you Antoinette for taking the time to speak with us and share and I can't wait for everybody to listen so yeah thank you bye here is something new with all of my unstuck yourself guests I'm asking them to write their own Unstuck Yourself affirmations. So here are Antoinette's Unstuck Affirmations. Enjoy. To be unstuck to me is to be released from the idea that you cannot prevail. You will succeed if you free your mind of the boundaries your insecurities and comparison may develop. I stay unstuck by telling myself that good things come to those who wait and persevere. I am unstuck from feeling underserving of opportunities and accomplishments that are awarded to me. I continue to unstuck myself by respecting my time, feelings, and opinion. Come on, peeps. What did I tell you all? Antoinette did not disappoint, and it is my deepest desire that each of you took something away from her experience and energy to look at life a little different than you did before you press play. Be sure to connect with Antoinette on all of the social media links located in the description of this episode. Her company name is The Diabati Organization, and that is spelled D-I-A-B-A-D-D-I-E. It's so cute. And do not forget to grab your ticket for the event that she shared with us, which includes raffles. Um, She is a guest speaker among with two other speakers, vendors, and so much more. So Faces Pop-Up Shop will provide a space for local creatives and business owners to simply be themselves, network, create a vibe, and have fun. The point of the event is to specifically cater to our community, the hard work and unwavering drive to serve as the faces of our community. So come out, showcase your creativity. You can market yourself, your brand, and your business, establish new connections. Just like Antoinette says, she's a connector. I'm a connector. Y'all can be connectors, but we can support other thriving businesses and business owners. That is this Saturday, January the 15th, 2022, from 2 to 6 p.m. Of course, that is Eastern Standard Time and is located at the Star Struck Sports Center in Temple Hills, Maryland. And before we call it a wrap, you know we have to bless you with today's unstuck questions and gems that were shared. Number one, we set the trends. Number two, in Antoinette deciding to do things her way, she paved the way for many others to do the same. And that includes you. Number three, all it takes is just one thing in common with anyone to see yourself differently. Build your confidence and connection to allow you to do and be more. Number four, never disassociate yourself from a space that you want to be in. And number five, be a connector. It could literally save someone else's life or mindset. Number six, 
healing is not linear. And number seven, sometimes it takes getting activated or triggered again to see your new response. Trust the process, peeps. Don't forget to subscribe, to like, to share, to rate. Leave a review of this podcast to boost and highlight the work we all have put into this to raise the energy of others and build a safe space to grow and honor our voices and stories. So I'm sending you love and light through this mic as you write your unstuck questions and gems to turn your actions into wins. Stay unstuck.